Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. They never gave up, no matter what happened. Many of my guests have survived incredible circumstances. And if you are a listener to the show, you will know that each and every one of my guests who have lost much, gave much. This is the common thread that I have seen. And each one that has become successful and have overcome whatever trauma that they have endured in their life, they always want to give back to help their fellow man. And so this is what's exciting because we, we all love stories. We all have a story. But it's wonderful when we can relate to that story. And even if we don't relate to that particular story, we can relate to the message, which is never, ever giving up. We are now heard in over 140 countries and still the number one rank in Google searches on the subject of hope. What does that say to you? What does it say to me? It says that no matter where we are on this planet, everyone is seeking a message of hope. And we are also giving that message when we share our stories. So thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. I love your feedback. And without you guys listening, we wouldn't have a show. So thank you again. Today with me, I have a gentleman who I have interviewed before. And he is your inspirational, motivational boost for the day. Let's just put it that way. He has a website that I want all of you to look at. We'll talk about it towards the end of the show because it's a place to go to get your motivational boost, your pill for the day. He always has encouraging words. And as you hear his story today, you will understand that this does not come from a place of superiority or an authority, but comes from a place of a man who has lived it who has been successful in spite of grave circumstances and has that inspiration to give back to you. Terry has had many challenging jobs during his career. When I interviewed him the first time, we talked a little bit about some of the stories when he was a SWAT team hostage negotiator, which I really appreciated. So that tells you a little bit about the type of person he is. In other words, don't mess with him, right, Terry? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's got a big heart. I could guarantee that. But he has shown incredible courage, which he, of course, used in his career and his entire life. 
which includes a basketball scholarship despite three knee surgeries in high school. That tells you you're his character right there. Terry's an author, a motivational speaker, and definitely an encourager. Welcome, Terry. Thanks, Carol. Appreciate it. So now let's go back a little bit. As a caregiver for your grandmother and your father, you watched them die of different forms of cancer. And you, obviously, you were helping, you know, with the caregiving within the home. So you were fully aware of the battle and the impact the cancer has on a family. But your greatest challenge, I believe, has been your personal fight when you were diagnosed in 2012. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. You know, when I graduated from college, I, you know, I was the first person in my family to graduate from college. So I was all set to make my mark on the world with my newly obtained business administration degree. But I, I, you know, I moved home. This was long before the internet was available to, to find a job and things like that. So I moved home to find that job and, and I was all set to make my mark on the world. And my grandmother and my father both were diagnosed with different forms of cancer within about six months of each other. So instead of wanting to get out on my own and, and do my own thing, I ended up staying at home and helping my mother and my brothers. My brothers were kind of in and out of college and that, so they were they were home and then they weren't home. Um, helping them both go through basically the dying process. I mean, my grandmother was 82 when she died. My dad was uh, 51 when he died. So it was... It was certainly a strain on the family, but for me, you talked about, I've had several jobs in my life, but the greatest challenge of my life began in early 2012 when I was diagnosed with a rare form of melanoma that presented on the bottom of my left foot. By the, the time the cancer was detected, it had metastasized to the lymph nodes in my groin. And because my cancer is so rare, there's only about 1,900 people in the U.S. that are diagnosed with this form of cancer every year, it was recommended that I be treated at the world-renowned MD Anderson Cancer Center. I was lucky because literally MD Anderson was a 10-minute drive from our front door. People come from all over the world to be treated at MD Anderson. I I, I want your audience to understand that what I'm going to describe to you is is what I experienced during my cancer journey. I, I realized there are thousands and thousands of people out there who are suffering terribly with their diseases, mental or physical. And I make no claims to have the market cornered on suffering. But one thing I've learned is that suffering is one of life's greatest teachers. Mm. I, I had two surgeries to remove the tumor and all the lymph nodes in my groin. And I had a skin graft to, to close the wound where the cancer had been removed. And after I healed, I was put on a weekly injection of a drug called interferon to help keep the disease from coming back. Now, interferon, at least for me, was a horrible, nasty, debilitating drug. And I took those weekly injections for four years and seven months before the medication became so toxic to my body that I ended up in the intensive care unit with a fever of 108 degrees, which usually isn't compatible with being alive. But I was at a level one trauma center, so they were able to stabilize me and and eventually get my temperature down. But while I was taking the interferon, each week, um, the drug gave me severe flu-like symptoms for two or three days after each injection. I lost 50 pounds during my therapy. As a matter of fact, there was a time when literally I thought I was so skinny that I could go hang gliding on a Dorito. Um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 was, I was constantly nauseous. I was fatigued. I was chilled. Even my ability to taste food 
diminished and my body continually ached. And this misery went on for over 1,660 days. And the one thing I learned during all my pain and suffering is that you have two choices. You can either succumb to the debilitating discomfort and misery, or you can learn to embrace it and use it to make you a stronger and better human being. I chose the latter. And you know, I, I want your audience to understand that there were days that I felt so poorly and I was in so much agony that I literally prayed to die. I just wanted out of this life. You know, each day was a was a struggle to use my mind to override the apathy and the distress that my body was feeling. And, you know, I was no better at dealing with pain and discomfort than the next person. But every day I found a way to survive with the knowledge that I would need to do it all over again the following morning. And Unfortunately, my cancer experience hasn't ended with me conquering my disease. This isn't a, a feel-good story. You know, the melanoma that had plagued me since 2012 returned in 2017, and eventually my only treatment option was the amputation of most of my left foot, which occurred in January of 2018. Cancer returned again last, last year in 2019, requiring two additional surgeries, and recently my surgeon advised me that more than likely... I won't be here 36 months from now. But, you know, I refuse to be a victim to this malignancy. I, I vowed to continue my fight. I knew the only way the cancer could win is if I gave up or I gave in to the disease or it killed me. What I find so inspiring about you, and certainly motivational, is your attitude. And I don't think there, you don't have to go very far to find people who might be in a similar situation than you are with a terrible attitude. And it comes down to your choice. And I know you fully understand that. And you certainly share that on many different types of platforms. Now, one thing that you had said is instead of allowing that diagnosis to hold you back, you embraced it. I'd like you to address that. How do you manage to do that? What kind of um, exercises do you perform? Whether is it a mantra? Is it a daily routine of some kind? What do you do to overcome that fear and the temptation to maybe, as you once said, to just give up and die? I don't really, you know, I, I can't say that I do one particular thing that that helps me to get through the day. I, I, I do a lot of maybe little things. Uh, faith has always been a big part of my life. I, you know, and sometimes I've actually been criticized for this. I, I pray about an hour every day. I, I spend an hour every morning in, involved in prayer. And it, it's not really prayer to take the disease away. It's just prayer to help me live with this disease today. And I, and I pray for other people. You know, I think that's important. This isn't, this isn't about me. This, I mean, I'm going through mm -hmm, it, but there mm -hmm. are so many people that, you know, it's just sort of throwing a stone into a pond and the ripple effect of that of people whose lives are touched by me having cancer, whether it's my amazing wife who, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her, if, if it wasn't for our daughter, um, you know, my mother's still alive. I have brothers, friends. So I, 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 I pray for them because I, I want them to to hopefully take something positive away from, from what I'm going through. But I've always believed that, that we're destined to live an uncommon and extraordinary life. And that has mm. absolutely nothing to do with what kind of job we have, how much money we make, what kind of car we drive, where we live, et cetera. We're not all born with the same gifts and talents, but we all have the ability 
to become the best person that we're capable of becoming. But but there's a there's an impediment to finding and living our uncommon and extraordinary lives, and and that impediment is us. You know, we, we right, all know this. Right. Our brains are hardwired to avoid pain and discomfort and to seek pleasure. You know, to to our minds, the status quo is comfortable and it's familiar and it should just be left alone. And I always like to use the example of somebody that may be wanting to look for a new job. I mean, we all know people that are stuck in dead-end positions. And these people should have been working somewhere else years ago, but for some reason they stay put. And I want to wonder why is that? And I'd suggest it's because every time they decide to find new employment, their brain kicks in and starts pointing out all the reasons that they should stay put. You know, things like, hey, you're making good money and you're accustomed to the routines here and the work is easy. And you know what? You go to another company, you might not get along with your coworkers at that new company. Whatever the reason to the brain, a new job presents all types of uncertainty and uncomfortableness. And if, if you're in a job that you can't stand and it would make sense for you to explore new opportunities – your brain will fight you on this, but you know they, they don't. They don't. Your brain doesn't want you to make that change. And I and I think this is a critical point. The problem with most people is they think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. Wow. Say and that again. I, so the problem with most people is they think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. We don't like to live in an uncomfortable state. But that's the only place where real growth can occur. I was a high school basketball coach uh, way back when we lived in Houston before I got cancer. And I used to constantly remind my players that they needed to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. And as such, I'd move players in and out of drills during practice that I knew caused them anxiety. I, I wanted them to be uneasy, not because I was trying to get them to fail, but because I wanted them to realize that they could succeed at something that made them apprehensive. The, the only way that we can grow, the only way that we can push past our comfort zones is to do what we find unpleasant and undesirable. It's in those painful, difficult, and sometimes embarrassing moments that real growth can occur. And when improvement happens, that's when the common can become uncommon and the ordinary can become extraordinary. I, now, I'm, I'm going to really date myself now by sharing this quote with you. But <laughs> in, in 1976, there was a, a U.S. gold medal winning Olympic swimmer by the name of Shirley Babishoff. And she had one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard in my life. And this is what she said. She said, winners think about what they want to happen. Losers think about what they don't want to happen. Winners can override their brains and focus on the things that they want to occur Whereas losers, they focus on the negative aspects of competition and they aren't able to see the positive qualities of pursuing a goal or a dream. Most people will never get to where they want to be because they won't stop whining and complaining about where they're at. If you want to live an uncommon and extraordinary life, the only way to make that happen is to embrace the uncomfortable and continue to do the things that you don't like and that you don't want to do. To become successful, your purpose has to be bigger than your pain. And I try to put this in a, in a simple concept that people can understand. If you were to go to a gym and you were to pick up a 10-pound weight and do 10 arm curls and you didn't find that difficult, then your muscle will never grow. 
However, if you go to that same gym, you pick up that same 10 pound weight and you do arm curls until you exhaust that muscle and you can't do another repetition, then you're stressing that muscle. And as a result, it will grow and get stronger. Now that same tactic works with our minds. If you stress or push your mind by doing uncomfortable things, it will grow, it will develop, and you will become a stronger and more determined individual. You just knocked the wind out of my sails. <laughs> I mean, that was impactful to say the least. One of the things that I was thinking when you were talking right back in the beginning there was we're wired negatively, right? Right. Essentially, I mean, as humans, the way that I <laughs> brought to my attention when you were talking about that is something I heard many, many years ago, and that is you never hear anybody say, turn right at the go light. We say, turn, yeah. turn right at the stoplight, you know? <laughs> That's true. That's and true. and as you were talking, I thought that that's a perfect response to what you just said because that's exactly the way we're wired. And I loved the encouragement that you just gave and how to rewire because you have that choice, right? It is your choice. It's absolutely your choice. And and but like I said, people tend to whine and complain about where they're at, and as a result, they never get anywhere. So, you know, it, it really goes back to, you know, how you think. Winners think about what they want to happen. Losers think about what they don't want to happen. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on what you want to occur or are you focusing on the things that you don't want to happen? It's your choice. Are you going to write a book? I, I have written a book and I, I think we discussed that in the, the last time. And, you know, wh what I found is that um, I literally sent the, the book out to about 300 different agents, and they all told me that publishers aren't interested in a book about cancer unless you're famous or you have a large platform. Unfortunately, I've, I've had some setbacks and some, you know, the cancer popped up a couple times last year and, uh, you know, our daughter graduated from college. So there was a lot of things going on. So I really haven't gotten back to that. But I've, I've certainly thought about how I can massage that book and make it maybe different so that it's maybe less about cancer and more about how to be positive and, and become that uncommon and extraordinary individual. Well, we have to figure out a way to get that book out there. Because <laughs> you, <laughs> are, you are so inspiring. And, and we all need inspiration, obviously. But we also need to learn how to pick up our own bootstraps and put one foot in front of the other and not whine and complain, which you said very graciously, and I appreciate that. You absolutely refuse to see yourself as a victim. And this is why you have been successful, as I'm sure you will attest to. Now, one of the things that you shared in an email to me that I'll share with the audience was that we're examples for our children. And our children want to be like us, whether it's when they're very little or even when they're older, depending upon the kind of example we have been, right? right. But you have been a real strength for your family through your trauma. They have seen how you push through. They have seen your attitude. And I'm sure that they they will carry that the rest of their lives. You know, they, they will learn from what you have been through. And I think that's beautiful. One of the things that um, I'm sure was a proud moment from you just happened recently, right? When your daughter graduated. Tell us a little bit about that and how it made Papa proud. Oh, absolutely. I, I, Mama and Papa were very proud. We, uh, our daughter graduated from the United States Air Force Academy in May, and 
Um, that in and of itself was a huge feat, but I, I go back to, and it's amazing the number of people that congratulate my wife and I, and I, I kind of look at them and it's like, you know what? She did all, <laughs> she did all the heavy lifting. I mean, we, we just kind of encouraged her, but when she was, um, in, in her, uh, between seventh and eighth grade, she was diagnosed with a very bad form of dyslexia and anxiety really? disorder really? and an attention disorder. And, she got special consideration and all that kind of stuff. Well, when it comes time to the, to the Air Force Academy and she, I, I'm six foot eight. So I, she got my height. She's six foot two. She was a good basketball <laughs> player and the Air Force Academy was interested in having her play on the team. So she was recruited there. And so literally the day we got the congratulations, you've been accepted. The very next day, we get another note from the Department of Defense that you've been disqualified because you have dyslexia and you have all this stuff. So it was a matter of going through a lot of hoops to get with her psychologist, to get with her learning specialist, to do all these things to say, hey, she can be successful. And they still weren't sure. And I didn't realize this, but all the service academies, whether it's West Point or Annapolis or the Air Force Academy, they have prep schools. And they're for a small group of potential cadets to the, to the academy where you go for one year. And the, 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 it's on the campus of the Air Force Academy, but there's no interaction between the prep school and the actual academy itself. And the dean of the prep school goes up to the academy and says, okay, what are freshmen having trouble with? You know, they're having trouble with trig. They're having trouble with physics. They're traveling with all these things. And then goes back and says, all right, you're going to take trig and physics and all these classes that you might have trouble with freshman year. The thing about the, the prep school is it, it counts for nothing. You, you can't take those classes and transfer them to another school. You can't do anything with them. If you are successful at the prep school, you will get an appointment to the academy. And that's what our daughter did and you know managed to get through some unbelievably difficult courses, you know, astro engineering, uh, you know, hmm. aeronautical engineering. I, I mean, I don't care what your major is at any of the academies. You're going to walk away pretty much with an engineering degree. I mean, she's about three classes short from having an engineering degree, although her major was behavioral sciences. So it, it was it was an incredibly proud day. It was uh, the president of the United States was there. He shook hands with every single cadet, you know, whether you like Trump or you don't like him. He was there. He shook hands with all those kids. And, you know, you sit there as a parent, you're like, how many kids, you know, how many kids are out there that get to shake hands with the president of the United States, whoever he or she is? So it was an amazing time for us. No kidding. And one you will never, ever forget. Absolutely. That's it awesome. was it was a whole week of things. And it, it was just it was amazing. I mean, our families came and it was it was a great time. Great time. So I probably saw that segment on TV and I had no idea that your daughter was yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, tell us about your website, Motivational Check, and how that originated. Uh, sure. Well, Motivational Check was uh, kind of one of those things that, you know, I, I was trying to come up with a name for my website, and I was like, you know, I, I, what should it be? How should, how should we work this out? So I chose the name for really a simple reason. When I was a recruit at the Cincinnati Police Academy, Motivational check was a phrase that any of our classmates could shout out at any time when we were doing, you know, defensive tactics or physical training 
and they needed encouragement. They needed motivation. They needed support. And the, the response from the class was to answer in a loud 84. We were the 84th recruit class of the Cincinnati Police Department. And that just signified our, our number to let the person know that I know you need reassurance. Hey, we're all here for you. You know, I know you're having a bad day. You're tired. You can't get through this. We're all here for you. We're all having a bad day. We're all tired. So I thought that was a would be a really good name for the website where I was trying to motivate people and encourage people to do more than they ever thought they could do. So that, that's how I came up with Motivational Check. If you had a mantra, and I know that I mentioned this earlier from what I'm listening and hearing from you, I think it would be live your life, don't just exist. In closing, would you summarize some of the things you said? Because all of them bear repeating anyway. They were so good. Sure. I, I, I'd like to summarize, I guess, with a, with a story. Um, I, I've always loved Westerns as a kid. And when I was little, my mom and dad used to let me stay up and watch Gunsmoke and you know Maverick. And my favorite was Wild Wild West. Well, in, in 1993, the movie Tombstone came out. And it's a movie loosely based on the gunfight at the OK Corral, which happened back in October 26, 1881 in Tombstone, Arizona. The, the two main characters in it are Wyatt Earp, who was played by Kurt Russell, and Doc Holliday, who was played by Val Kilmer. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings that actually walked on the face of the earth. They're not made up characters for the movie. Mm-hmm. And at this point... And the, at the very end of the movie, Doc Holliday is dying in a sanitarium in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, of tuberculosis. And Doc Holliday was a dentist by trade, but he was pretty much a, a card shark and a gunslinger. And, and Wyatt Earp was a lawman. He'd, he'd been a deputy U.S. marshal and, and other things like that. But at this point in the movie, Doc is dying and Wyatt is destitute. He has no job, uh, no money, no prospects for a job. And he comes to visit Doc every day and they play cards to pass the time. And the two men are talking about what they want out of life. And Doc talks about how when he was younger, he was in love with his cousin, but she joined a convent over the affair and she was all that he ever wanted out of life. And he looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt looks at him kind of nonchalant as he's shuffling the cards and he says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc looks at him and says, there's no normal, there's just life and get on with living yours. <laughs> we all, we have a right in our lives to fail, to get up every morning, to go through the motions, to never do anything with our lives. But we don't have the right to make other people fail. If you want your professional life or your personal life or your family life to be better, then you need to be better. As I said several times in this, in this interview, you were born to live an uncommon and extraordinary life. But to do that, you need to control your mind. You need to embrace the pain and the suffering in your life. You need to do the things that scare you and that, frankly, you don't want to do. You need to keep moving forward and remind yourself that as long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. I I recall Stuart Scott, who was an ESPN reporter who died a few years ago of cancer. He once said, don't downgrade your dreams to fit your reality. Upgrade your convictions to match your destiny. Think about the big picture of your life. What will your legacy be? You know, don't die before you're dead. We all know people who are dead. They just haven't fallen over yet. What no be, kidding. I mean, it's true. People we work with, people we see every day. It's like, you know what? You might as well just get in a box and get buried because you're not doing anything with your life. I always ask people, what will be the one sentence 
that people will say about you at your funeral. You know, you are the person who you're looking for. Let me say that again because I think that's important. You are the person who you're looking for. Let your life be shaped by the decisions that you made, not by the ones you didn't or the ones that other people made for you. Common and ordinary people, they do nothing in their lives. Live your life in such a way with the intention of living that uncommon and extraordinary life, no matter how much pain you must endure getting there, because I will promise you this, it will be worth whatever sacrifices you have to invest to reach your dreams or your goals. The only word I have is wow. (laughs) That was so well stated. Thank you so much. This is an interview that my guests must listen to more than once. In fact, I'm going to listen to it again right away. There's so many nuggets in there, gold nuggets. And I also know that you're just not saying words, that you have lived it. You are living it. And it no matter what you're going through, you can live it. And that is the bottom line message. You can live and not just exist. Thank you so much, Terry. You have said exactly what I personally needed to hear today, and I know that this is a message that the world needs to hear. Thank you. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.